Privatized military housing has become a contentious issue over the past couple of years. Service members have reported rodents and mold and other substandard living conditions. Now, Lend-Lease Communities, one of the largest housing contractors for the military, says that should not dissuade the Defense Department from privatizing more housing, even military hotels. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni spoke with Lend-Lease Communities Chief Operating Officer Philip Carpenter. Since privatization brought all of the privatized funding in, we were operating and still operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And during the summer, we get all our homes prepared for future residents. Uh, We now, since the 2020 NDAA, have the government come in behind us to make sure the homes are prepared properly and that the home is safe for the future resident and then the home is occupied. And I know as of today, we're about 95% occupied across our portfolio. Um, So I think what the primary thing that privatization does is it brings in private debt, whereby the government does not have to try to appropriate dollars over long periods of time. This private debt comes in and you're able to expand and do redevelopment both in housing and our Army portfolio for the privatized Army lodging as well. So that's something that the government just can't appropriate enough dollars to take care of some of these unsustainable buildings like private partners can do. And then on top of that, behind that, we have our own operating group. So we have our property management team where the government didn't have those types of teams. So if a resident's having an issue with a neighbor or something that they want to see done differently in the community, they've got a resource to come to now, which they didn't have prior to privatization that helps those residents, whatever issue they may have. Some of the other benefits that we've accomplished over the years is during the major deployment cycles, we realized that some families didn't have people available, for example, at Christmas during a deployed family member to put toys together or help with things other than just maintaining a house. And so we've provided programs over the years that help families uh, to try to ease the pain of deployment so that at least, you know, the children have bicycles put together at Christmas and things of that nature. You're making this case at a time when we've seen two companies indicted for fraud uh, under this program. Uh, One pleaded guilty and the other uh, settled kind of out of court in a way. Why do you think that the government and taxpayers should continue this program, considering that, you know, it's it's had these sorts of issues? And, you know, we've seen that in in quite a few of the housing companies. So I I can't really, Scott, comment on those lawsuits because I just don't have the information other than what you read in the newspaper but i think for taxpayers first of all there's no appropriated dollars that funds this program Uh, the the bah that's already appropriated does that so instead of having military construction dollars appropriated by the military departments and costing taxpayers money this actually alleviates taxpayers having a higher tax rate than they need necessary to to fund these large developments. Uh, recently, we just borrowed $1.1 billion on our Army portfolio. 
um, that's just, that's unprecedented. Uh, and, and to be able to do that and to redevelop these programs is just something that the federal government is not capable of doing. Uh, they, they are, but it would, you know, cost even more billions and billions of dollars for the uh, Department of Defense to set aside. And they need to have those funds for, you know, their, their main operations of, of defending the United States. There are also service members who have reported, uh, you know, pests and, and mold and other issues in, in some of their housing, including some lend lease properties. How did those homes get to that situation? And what are you doing now to mitigate those issues? So I think there's several things to point out there. Uh, we created a resident advisory board at all our all, all our housing locations, and these are uh, family members that are elected by their peers in the communities so that any issue that a family may have that they haven't reported to us, um, such as I've got a pest control problem or whatever, we've created so many different ways to communicate with our residents now that we were the first to roll out the app so that they could use that. We had um, these community portals that you could use the, your computer system. Um, we've created out of that a, a way for you to track your service order. Um, and if they're not pleased with the service or so forth, they can use the resident advisory board or they can come directly to our project directors. Or even now we have the local commanders attend these resident advisory board meetings on a monthly basis. So if a resident's continuing to have an, an issue, we've gotten so many outlets now that they can use and utilize to contact us. Uh, we've set up customer service um, advisors, representatives on all our projects now. So if you're having a, a problem that you seem to can't get resolved, uh, we have the uh, customer experience folks that will go out and, and help those residents to, to get things done. And then as we make houses ready now for our new residents, we're using um, mold inhibiting paint to prevent mold from forming to begin with. We're using uh, new Merck air filters that ha help trap mold spores. Um, and then, you know, our average resident lives with us about 22 months before they deploy to, deploy to a different location. Um, and so we're in those houses constantly, whether it's preventive maintenance that we do or these new techniques that we're using um, to, to actually prevent mold from even being able to grow. So we're doing everything we can as an industry and helping to lead the way. Uh, Lindley's has done a fantastic job of allowing me and my team to come up with any innovative ideas that we, we need to do and invest in. So I think, I think we're doing a really good job for our families. It would, it would, it would surprise me that if we're having problems anywhere uh, that we don't know about or that we haven't resolved. The Navy Marine Corps, they're basically they've just hired a third party inspector to go through all of their uh, housing. How do you plan on responding to those inspections? Um, you know, how will you take those into account and uh, possibly do fixes that may be needed or you know anything else that the houses may need? That's just started last week at a, a few of our locations. The Army did it last year at Fort Belvoir through a third-party inspector. Uh, the feedback from the Army was they weren't finding 
quote unquote life health safety issues. Um, they were just finding, you know, minor repairs that needed to be made. And, um, you know, I would, I would hope and encourage the residents that live with us, if they have anything that needs to be repaired to please submit it to us under our normal, um, processes and procedures, but we're going to, we support the 2020 NDAA that requires this. And we'll work with our services as good partners to figure out the best way to get any repairs made that are necessary. Philip Carpenter, Chief Operating Officer for Lend-Lease Communities, speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. We just heard from one of the largest military housing contractors on why its executives think the military should expand its use of privatized housing. Several military housing advocacy groups, though, take the opposite view. They say corporate housing operators fail to deliver to service members and their families. For one representative view, Federal News Network's Scott Massioni spoke with Armed Forces Housing Advocates co-founder Sarah Klein. What really stood out to me was just like the generalizations um, that Lindley subscribes to, almost that MHPI is the only way that this can be done because it wasn't appropriately funded before. And also the conversations about appropriated dollars not being spent and that Lend-Lease isn't funded by appropriated dollars. They're funded by BH dollars, which are appropriated funds that the U.S. government spends $1.6 billion a year on. And it was just very disheartening to hear that he didn't think that these were appropriated dollars that were being spent when in all actuality, Lend-Lease is profiting on appropriated dollars that are given to them as VA payments. As far as Lend-Lease in general, you know, could you tell me a little bit of the experience that you've had with Lend-Lease and some of the people that you've spoken to? Yes. I mean, just yesterday, um, I had a resident reach out from Lend-Lease that had had their flex duct growing molds in their HVAC system. Those have been cleaned twice. And the HVAC professionals that we've consulted with say that flex duct can't be cleaned. It has to be replaced when it's growing mold. Um, she's already been displaced once for this. And this morning, even, they had um, remediation going on in the home with her present, and they didn't move her to a hotel. And she's in there with children, herself, her husband, who are all suffering allergy type reactions. So that's what we're still seeing on the ground every day. And as far as privatized housing in general, um, you know, what issues do you see in the United States relying on these corporations to provide housing and the way that they're providing it rather than either the Defense Department creating their own or having some other alternative method? I think what's different here is the proprietary knowledge that we're not privy to to hold them accountable. Um, we really don't know what's in the contracts and what we should be asking of them as residents. And two, we're kind of a captive audience. Um, and we know that the rental market all over the country as the housing market increases, um, it, families are being priced out of the ability to live out on the economy. So they're forced to choose MHPI housing because there's nowhere else to live that can adequately house their families in some instances. So it's a big difference with MHPI and, say, an outside developer and another state that's, on, um, that's in the civilian community. So if the United States were to take 
Lindley's up on their offer to privatize. I mean, it sounds like you don't you you think that there should be some serious changes if they were to continue privatizing more houses, or that they need to take a, a different tact in in the way that they do it, right? Yeah, I mean, it really seems like the military housing companies are kind of subscribing to a sunk cost fallacy. That hey, we've done this. It's so great. There's nowhere, no one else available that can do it. The DOD cannot do it. And I just really don't believe that. I think that maybe MHPA has gotten to the point where it's almost too big to fail, but it already has failed its primary mission of providing the adequate housing to military members. So why on earth would we continue to allow them to privatize more things? Right. As far as responding to uh, to calls, dispute resolution, you know, all the things that the companies have said that they will be doing, you know, after the Congress started cracking down on them. You know, what have you seen in terms of progress or not progress uh, from these companies since, uh, you know, the new rules have taken effect and they've put more uh, interest into this issue? Honestly, since 2019, when this occurred, we haven't seen any real substantial change with how companies are behaving towards military families that come to them with issues. There are more employees, there are new apps, and there is a tenant resolution process, but those really don't seem to be helping families that are in need. Um, At the Armed Forces Housing Advocates, we've had major issues with families being able to access those dispute processes, and to be quite honest, they're arbitrarily told by the government and the installation housing offices that they do not qualify except we're never able to pinpoint what metric they're using to say that the family cannot qualify. So yes, while we've had two years of reform, almost three years of reform, we haven't seen any substantial improvement on the ground for families. And I I realize this is a a big question. Uh, What would you like to see from these housing companies in general in terms of uh, how they respond and for dispute resolution and and anything else? I mean, to be honest, what we see every day is them being more concerned about their profits versus necessarily the service members that they claim that they hold in a high regard. What we'd like to see is when a family comes to them that their issues taken seriously and they're treated with dignity and respect and not gaslit, um, which often seems to be the case. as far as for families that have experienced this in the past, um, we'd really like to see justice for those families. We want to see the Department of Justice come in and investigate other MHPI partners and at other installations where we've uncovered that the same level of fraud and ill treatment towards the families have occurred. Was there an egregious example of what a family might be going through right now with not necessarily Lend-Lease, but any company, just to kind of give people an idea of what's still going on years later after what we've you know heard of? I've been helping a family for over a year right now, and we submitted um, the informal tenant request literally right after it came out last summer. She was just denied um, her formal resolution, and this is after being displaced twice for longer than four weeks. Um, The first time that she moved back into her home, um, she moved in and the mold hadn't been repaired. 
Um, there was still leaks that were occurring, and then she was subsequently moved back out with three small children. So that that family is still displaced to this day, and this has been an ongoing issue for a year, and they still haven't entered the formal dispute process. Um, that's a big issue. We don't have a set rule or a law that these companies should all follow. It says in the ground leases that they're supposed to follow state and local and federal laws, whichever is more stringent. But in all actuality, when that comes into play, um, we don't have the health department and the building and codes department to come into the homes and shut these down and, shut, you know, really shut these homes down. All that we have is an installation commander that honestly could have been in Iraq commanding troops 18 months prior that's now having to act as a mayor, essentially. So that's the big difference. When a family is on the outside, they can easily go to legal aid. They can find an attorney to fight a slumlord. But when a family is living on a federal property with a landlord that almost at times seems to be um, almost pretending to be the Department of Defense themselves, um, it just makes the issue much more complicated. Sarah Klein, co-founder of Armed Forces Housing Advocates, speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. Scott Massioni joins me with more from his double interview here on both sides of the housing debate. Scott, the military's getting drawn in both directions here, more and less privatization. What are they going to do, do you think? Well, one of the things we've seen is some reluctance from the military to actually move away from privatized housing. The reason for that is because they're in these 50-year leases that Sarah mentioned. These 50-year leases are really hard to get out of. Now, they did get out of one of these leases. The Army did, uh, Army Materiel Command. That was with Clark Communities. What happened with Clark was they really didn't even show up for Congress's hearing about this issue. What the leader of Army Materiel Command said was that they didn't really seem like they wanted to be a partner. They amicably left and then found someone else to move in and fill that hole and and take care of those houses. So that's one way that the military can take care of maybe a community manager that isn't very interested in the investments that it's made. However, that has to be something that's mutual. We haven't seen the military moving too far away from privatized housing, though they have been adding a lot more staff, and they are trying to add a, a little more of their footprint and fingerprint in with this issue since there are so many complaints from service members and we're seeing it on the government side as well we've recently seen walter reed have barracks that are not doing very well and that's you know in the public sector and then hawaii we've seen water issues and that's just purely from gas leaks and the government's trying to fix up that mess as well with the privatized housing is it simply that they don't pay enough rent to have the incentive for these companies to keep capitalizing these properties, do you think? Well, I, I think there's there's two things. There's one thing is that there's a fairly easy way to get profit here because there is this captive market that Sarah brought up that, you know, they need to live near base or on base. And, you know, this it's going to be a lot cheaper if you use your BAH to do that. So, um, you know, I think that maybe if you're looking at a, in an extremely maybe jaded capitalistic view, these companies don't necessarily want to put in more work because they don't necessarily have to and have an ability to make a profit off of it. So bottom line, privatized is here for a while one way or another. That's right, at least for a while, unless there's some extreme changes from Congress. Federal News Network, Scott Mossioni. Check out his stories at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zell. 
Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.